Hey, brother, hear me now. Brother, dog. Know me, understand. Welcome to the Sargassum Podcast. I'm Robbie Thigpen. I'm Francesca Elmer. And I am Mar Fernandez. And we are your hosts for today. And we are going to share with you the latest ideas and concepts about Sargassum and Sargassum beaching events, which have become an international challenge. visiting my co-host Fran here for a while. I've been doing a lot of research down here in uh, Quintana Roo with my project, you know, uh, great biocultural education materials in, in Lingua Maya. And I decided to come over here and hang out at the beach for a little bit and see some nasty sargassum and some stuff like that. And we've just been having a real good time these last few days. Yes, but we're not here to talk about your little vacation or work trip. We're here to talk about us wanting your feedback for yeah. our podcast. Yeah, we've created this little survey. We want you to fill out in the you know, clip description below and all this here stuff. But fill, fill that out. We want to know what you think. We, we started this. We didn't know what we were doing. You know, we've, none of us ever made a podcast before. We're all on different continents and everything. And we think we've been doing an okay job, but we think we can do better. We have some ideas about how we need to change things in the future, but we want to hear what you think, too. So make sure you fill out the survey. You make us a huge favor in doing so. We really value your feedback. And please fill it out by the end of July. Thank you much. We'll see you next week. Hey, good morning, everyone, or afternoon, or evening, wherever you are on the planet. We appreciate you showing up here today. My name's Robbie. We're talking with, with, with we've got our co-host Cleo and President Henry, and we're talking with Teresa about arsenic. And just like all our podcasts, they're brought to you by the uh, Kimberly Green uh, Latin American and Caribbean Studies Center at the Florida International University. And also today we've got, we don't have a special, uh, another sponsor, but we're broadcasting to you courtesy of the uh, Southeastern Veterinary Clinic. I had to run down here for, in beautiful Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. We had to come down here to, for an appointment for my puppy in a little bit, so they're uh, allowing us to use their uh web to do this. I'm sitting in my Jeep, and uh, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, anything you guys want to share today? Yeah, I'm actually maybe also have a little sponsor because I'm not in Mexico at my house, but I'm actually visiting my friend Catherine, and Catherine is also a marine biologist, and she actually listens to our podcast quite a lot. So yeah, she's also letting me use her internet and also her couch to sleep off. <laughs> nice, nice, and, nice. How about you, Cleo? And um, for me, we're well, at 21, so it's the day of the summer, and also in France, it's uh, like the National Day of Music Day. So, you know, special day for me. But I'm still in Paris. Excellent. <laughs> How about you, Teresa? Uh, I just want to thank you for inviting me in such a special day, <laughs> La Fête de la Musique, <laughs> and the summer solstice. So thank you very much. Excellent. We'll get this thing started. Welcome. And um, I will introduce introduce Teresa because we actually almost work together. Oh. So it's a pleasure for me to have you here today with us. So um, Teresa Chavez Garcia is an environmental and bioanalytical chemist 
working as a postdoc at the University in Bern, Switzerland. She's working in the Soil Science Unit within the Interfaculty Cooperation Project 1L, which looks at the microbial-mediated effects and confirmation of different pollutants in the environment and across the food chain. Her research focuses on the microbial-mediated transformation of arsenic from food in the Manayan Gas. She is specialized in studying the metabolism of the arsenic available to humans from the diet, including seaweed. And beside her position at the University uh, in, of Bern, she is part of the coordination team of 500 women scientists, Bern, Fribourg, an organization aimed to promote women, women in uh, STEM. So welcome to you, Teresa. Thank you. Thank you, Cleo. Teresa, so I'm originally from Switzerland, and whenever I go back home, I have to explain people what sargassum is and why it is such a big topic in the Caribbean and the tropics. But you are studying um, algae, so I wanted to know, being in Switzerland, have you heard about the sargassum influx? Okay, so well, actually, I'm not um, studying algae. Uh, right now, but I've been uh, trying to get funding in the past couple of years to do so. So I've been reading more and more about the, the sargasso, and uh, I mean I know that uh, that it is a hotspot for biodiversity in the sargasso sea, but uh, that there are like some uh, blooms in the tropical Atlantic at the moment, and uh, yes, in the past couple of years or even a bit more, and it's becoming a, a huge problem in in the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico, and also uh, I've seen that in the Canarian Islanders uh, also some blooms of sargasso and that is an invasive species there. So I'm a bit familiar with that, but not an expert, of course. Excellent. Well, I'm no expert either. <laughs> and also, um, so welcome to the club. Um, I got a couple of questions for you, and mainly, you know, um, so what does sargassum mean to you? And I'll and, you know, this is something you study, you chose to study for a reason. So what, what does it mean to you? As a chemist specialized in arsenic working in a soil science group, I guess uh, it means like an opportunity to regenerate soils. So at the moment, uh, there's a, a huge problem with, with our soils and uh, like uh, around 50% of the agricultural soils are actually um, like have a very low fertility and and it is known that seaweed can be a potential to to regenerate the, those soils so for me it's mostly an opportunity to actually uh, apply my knowledge um, in soils but my knowledge comes more from arsenic so so it's a bit uh, it's a bit more complicated but uh, yeah how seaweed can be used in soils but as well how we can uh, mitigate the problems of arsenic related to, to seaweed. So I would say that uh, this huge problem of sargasso uh, in the tropical Atlantic, it could actually be an opportunity to, to be used to regenerate soils uh, in, in certain areas where that is necessary. So, Well, thank you. You know, the, the term opportunity <laughs> comes up in a lot of our um, discussions here on the podcast and uh, it's always good that we hear that and uh, it's, it's, it's rare when 
when problems present opportunities. So we're just thankful for that. And speaking about opportunity, um, scientists keep telling us that we need to find before uh, if the arsenic in the sargassum is organic or inorganic, because it's really an important question. So could you tell us what is the difference between the two of them? Uh, yes. So, um, well, if we, if we, um, chemically speaking, that would have to do with the chemical environment around the arsenic atom. So, arsenic is an element in the periodic table, and um, but in fact, in nature, we can find it forming like many different compounds. So, arsenic compounds or arsenic species. So when we have carbon attached to the arsenic atom, we are talking about organic arsenic. Whereas if we don't have uh, that carbon, we talk about inorganic arsenic. But the, the reason why um, you might be hearing that uh, it's necessary to discriminate whether or not that arsenic is organic or inorganic, it has to do with the toxicity because inorganic arsenic is associated with toxic arsenic and organic with non-toxic arsenic. But actually, that's not really uh, true. It's not always true. Like uh, it is true that inorganic arsenic is toxic. It's actually uh, a carcinogenic, and there's enough uh, evidence to classify it as a carcinogenic for humans. But um, organic arsenic uh, comprises a really uh, big number of arsenic compounds as well, and with very different chemical structures. And some of those are quite toxic, and some others are not. So. So I think it's not only a matter of looking whether or not um, there is inorganic or organic arsenic in sargasso, but also to look at the more specific type of organic arsenic that you can find there. Excellent. I think you may have more or less kind of addressed my next question at all, and, and that is how much arsenic is it the food we eat? And how is that a problem? So, um, well, I, I guess it really depends um, on, on the type of food. So the main uh, dietary sources of arsenic to humans are drinking water, uh, which is uh, a problem which is more, uh, more known. But then in terms of foods, we, we can talk about rice, um, seafood, and, and mushrooms. So um, for rice, for example, the concentrations vary depending on, on countries. Uh, but those are around 0.1 to 0.4 milligrams per kilogram. And then seafood has usually a higher concentrations of arsenic, so those can go up to 100 milligrams per kilogram. Uh, and then mushrooms, uh, it's a little bit more tricky. There's not, uh, I mean, there's not that much uh, research at the moment as for seaweed and uh, for seaweed, sorry, for seafood and rice. But uh, some uh, have reported concentrations quite high, like 7,000 milligrams per kilogram. But as well, uh, in mushrooms, um, the highest percentage of that arsenic is an organic compound, which is called arsenoretine, which is probably the only one that I could tell you uh, with certainty that is non toxic to humans. But um, yeah, but as well, there are some regulations. I mean, yeah, there are some regulations in place to, to control these levels of arsenic in food, but they are not uh, perfect. Um, so, for example, for rice, the, the, the permitted levels of arsenic in rice in, in the European Union, they go up to uh, 0.2 milligrams per kilogram, where I said that there's some rice that can have uh, 0.4 milligrams per kilogram, so some types of rice can have higher levels. 
and as well uh, for seafood. I'm not aware of any regulations in Europe, but I know that in, I mean in Europe, yes, but uh, only in France. Uh, and that limits um, arsenic in seaweed only to three milligrams per kilogram. And then in New Zealand and uh, Australia, those uh, permitted levels of arsenic in, in seafood are uh, up to two milligrams per kilogram. But the problem we have there is that those those permitted levels are only considering inorganic arsenic, so they don't consider the organic arsenic that I mentioned before. And again, it's because it's generally considered non-toxic, but as I said, it's not always the case. So I think uh, that's why it's a bit more important, not only for seaweed, but for, for everything in general, and, and more in general as well uh, for seafood, to, to look at this organic arsenic. Mm -hmm. So what does arsenic do to the human body when you ingest it? So, um, well, regarding this, I could say more what happens to arsenic rather than what arsenic does, because what arsenic does uh, <laughs> has to do more with the toxic modes of action, which is not really my, my field of expertise. But uh, basically, well, as I said, we ingest arsenic with food, right? So. Uh, at the first stages of gastrointestinal digestion or in, in, in the mouth and then stomach and small intestine, um, different chemical reactions are going to happen which are going to um, release these arsenic compounds from food. So these arsenic compounds might become soluble in water and um, they won't be attached anymore to the, to the food matrix. And uh, that means that they can potentially cross the the, um, the intestinal barrier and get into the hepatic portal system, which means that they get into the bloodstream. So if that happens, they they can like they can access other organs, uh, but more uh, specifically, they can get into the liver. So in the liver is where the detoxification processes for arsenic uh, take place. So um, usually the liver aims to make uh, highly toxic compounds of arsenic into less toxic, and as well in making them more soluble in water, so then they can be excreted in, in urine. But if these uh, compounds are actually, like, I mean, if the liver doesn't succeed, <laughs> uh, to say it in, in, in a way, uh, these arsenic compounds will go back to the small intestine, to the gallbladder, and then further uh, reactions will happen. But on top of that, we have to add all the microorganisms that we have in our gut, and those might play as well a role in transforming these arsenic compounds. And as well, uh, if they are not uh, soluble in urine, they will be excluded in tissue. But within this process of transformations, uh, we can not always be sure that uh, no arsenic will get into, into different organs, and as well, depending on on how soluble they are in the fatty tissue or not, they can get accumulated in different parts of the body. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is, is bioaccumulation and moving up and down the food web an issue with arsenic? Uh, yeah, and I think it's more um, for marine ecosystems. So, we'll have to distinguish between uh, bioaccumulation and biomagnification, right? So bioaccumulation would be the accumulation yes. of a pollutant, so in this case arsenic, um, within uh, the lifetime of an organism. 
So um, uh, in the marine environment, what we have is biomagnification, but then as well by accumulation, and that depends really on the chemistry of these arsenic compounds. So, for example, in the, in the marine environment, we have um, an organic type of arsenic, which are called arsenolipids. So, these type of compounds uh, are lipid soluble, so that means that they accumulate in the fatty tissue, and they seem to accumulate in, to yeah, to accumulate in the fatty tissue of uh, of fish. So, so they accumulate through the food chain, and then we might find them more in, in these fish that are higher up in, in the food chain. So we will be talking about bioaccumulation, but also biomagnification there. Yes, thank you. Uh, what are the, um, why would we avoid being exposed to arsenic? Because what are exactly the effects to our health? Okay. Avoiding avoiding arsenic exposure, I think it's pretty much impossible. <laughs> um, but um, we could minimize the consumption of certain foods that have uh, usually high concentrations of arsenic. But for that, there's already uh, regulations in place, as I already mentioned, like these permitted levels for certain foods. But as I said as well, like these regulations have their limitations because they only consider inorganic arsenic, which has been widely studied. So then scientists are actually trying to provide more and more evidence on this organic arsenic, like all the wide range of organic arsenic compounds. Um, but it is known that chronic exposure to arsenic, which means like ingesting really amounts of arsenic uh, over time, uh, can lead to, to certain uh, health issues, like for example, uh, cardiovascular diseases or diabetes uh, type 2, as well uh, to certain cancers, which I think it's a uh, bladder, lung, uh, and uh, I think bladder, lung, and there's another one that I don't remember right now, uh, that, um, that can be developed uh, by chronic exposure to arsenic. So it's, I guess, it's more limiting the, the consumption of, of certain foodstuffs that are known to have high concentrations. And uh, until we find out more evidence, like the food authorities uh, have more evidence to actually uh, provide regulations towards this organic arsenic uh, in seafood, for example, which is where we find it the most. Okay, thank you so much. But so knowing that, if we want to uh, avoid once again uh, the, the exposure to arsenic, but uh, doing uh, valorization of sargassum, like using this uh, crisis as an opportunity, um, what products do we have to test for arsenic levels uh, if made, made of sargassum? So um, I guess. I mean, it depends what those products are going to be used for and how uh, sargasso is um, used. I mean, for example, if, uh, if certain active um, compound from sargasso is extracted for a particular use, but then during the extraction procedure, uh, it's really unlikely that arsenic compounds are going to be extracted as well. Then I guess in the in the 
in the manufacturing of this uh, product, there's already quality controls in place to, to look for that. But if we are going to use uh, the bulk of the seaweed for fertilizer or for feed um, of other animals or um, to produce anything that is going to be in contact with food, then definitely I, I would uh, advise to, to test first the concentrations of arsenic and then if those concentrations are somehow high, then to look at the speciation of arsenic, which basically means to look at the different compounds of arsenic there, because yeah, as I said before, it's really not the same to have a, a high concentration of arsenobetaine, which is non-toxic, than a high concentration of maybe uh, inorganic arsenic, which is carcinogenic. So, and then as well, for example, if it's going to be used for uh, products that are going to be in touch with the skin, it would be as well good to to look at that because it really depends whether or not. Uh, I mean, I'm not very familiar with study looking at the skin absorption of arsenic, but uh, some of those compounds are uh, lipid soluble, so they can maybe be absorbed to the skin. So it would be interesting as well to look at that. And um, as well, I mean, I'm not super familiar either with um, all the many applications that Sargasso has. But um, uh, it's important to know as well that uh, bacteria, like we have microbes everywhere, right? And uh, bacterial activity can actually um, degrade uh, arsenic into something which can be highly toxic and volatile, which means that it's released into the atmosphere. So depending on where these type of products are going to be used, maybe it's worth looking at, uh, at that. So I mean, it's pretty much everything, but <laughs> thank you for that great answer, Teresa. Um, I've got a kind of a convoluted question I want to ask you because you know we, we're talking about the ocean, but even here in Black River, we've got signs on all the rivers east of where I'm from, all the way to the coast, and even on the coast saying don't eat certain kinds of fish because of mercury and other heavy metals and lead and stuff like that. And I contacted our Department of Natural Resources. DHEC, which we put these signs up, and asked them, what are these signs, what caused all this here? And they pretty much told me that, that this all came from uh, burning fossil fuels, steam-generated coal plants, fuel burning in our cars, diesel and whatnot, and also this is, you know, arsenic is a, a terrestrial issue as much as it is at the sea, as far as being in the food web goes. But is this in the sea is is that a more of a result of some of these you know this really nasty crude oil that the tankers burn or are we do we see larger local accumulations because of you know, near the shipping lanes for example than um, we would in the uh, open sea i'm not sure about the the uh, crude oil burners in the ocean uh, to be honest but um i mean in general, uh, the reason why we find uh, arsenic in the ocean is uh, by natural sources, right? Because uh, arsenic is, exists in rocks, and then there's different ways that it can be released from rocks and, and get into into water streams and, and soil and, and the atmosphere. So then there's the position in, in the ocean. But uh, I think usually in the ocean, uh, 
it's mostly volcanic activity or uh, industries that release atmospheric uh, like arsenic into the atmosphere and then there's deposition afterwards but i'm not sure if it's uh, as much as of the fossil fuel industry to be honest but to that i i would not be completely sure <laughs> thank you yeah thank you for that I always love wondering where, where the argument yeah. comes from and if it's natural or not. Um, so, is sargassum the only algae that takes up arsenic or do other algae also have so, accumulation of Well, arsenic? yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, maybe it's a bit uh, too much to say all algae because I, I don't know whether or not uh, that has been reported in all of them. But uh, since um, the arsenic of course, naturally in the ocean, and usually it's inorganic arsenic is what is found in, in the marine sediment. Uh, pretty much all uh, seaweed, can, like I mean, macro and micro algae can uptake uh, arsenic, and then uh, they can metabolize it afterwards into organic uh, arsenic. So basically, the organic arsenic that we see in the in the marine environment. Uh, is mostly produced, like first produced by by the seaweed. So there's different seaweeds that uh, that have arsenic. And for example, I don't know uh, if you've heard Fijiki seaweed. Uh, that is the only one at the moment uh, that is not recommended for consumption, at least in the European Union, because it has really high concentrations of inorganic arsenic. So that's one of, of the examples, but then uh, there's others like wakami and uh, nori and laminaria digitata, which I don't know what the commercial name for that, but uh, we've been analyzing some of those in, in the laboratory. So they do, they do contain arsenic, but uh, as well, it's not always in the same uh, form. So as I said before, like Fijiki has more inorganic arsenic, but for example, sargasso, which is one of the seaweeds that I used during my PhD, um, has more arsenosuras, which is another type of organic uh, organic arsenic uh, that we can find in the marine environment, and it's basically uh, the main type of organic arsenic that we usually find in, in seaweed. Yeah, is that one one of those organic ones that are a so, problem, or is it? The, the evidence around arsen sugars is a bit um, unclear because arsen sugars, so as the name indicates, it has like a, yeah, the structure as a, the, the building blocks of carbohydrates, so like small sugars. And uh, these ones as such have been tested for uh, toxicity and they don't seem to be toxic in that structure but because they have a kind of complex structure they can degrade into other compounds while uh, in the body and these metabolites that they produce they can actually be toxic so the toxicity around arsen sugars is still a bit unclear whether or not uh, they can be a problem so it really depends on on how they degrade so yeah Very interesting. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for meeting with us today. And uh, I, I hope you'll introduce more people. I personally have, have really enjoyed this. I'm uh, certainly fascinated by uh, 
bioaccumulation of uh, different toxins and things and all, especially interested in heavy metals like arsenic and tributyl tin and uh, a lot of these emergent contaminants and estrogen mimics and their effects on uh, macroinvertebrates and whatnot. So it's been a wonderful Thank you so much for inviting me. Just thank, thank you for coming. Thank you. Nice. So what you guys say? You learn anything today? Oh, I learned so much. Like, I don't know. It's just, I never really knew much about the arsenic. I was just told from the beginning, oh, look out because of the arsenic when you do stuff with sargassum. And then well, I... er earlier we learned inorganic, organic from different people, but having this really in-depth conversation about what it actually means and that even the organic ones could be a problem. It was really, really interesting. Yeah, well, I, I know you can't always tell it, but I avoided biochem at university. And um, so I didn't realize there was an organic. I thought all arsenic was inorganic. And that was kind of need to learn that. Yes, and we, I think we also talked today about the fact that inorganic, of course, is toxic, but some uh, form of organic arsenic are also toxic. And we just don't really talk about it. So this is like, this shows how important it is to, to study the different cessation of arsenic uh, in sargassum and not just like, is it organic or inorganic, I guess. Yeah. And also I was really, um, I think I, I learned, and I knew, but I learned. <laughs> we talk about the fact that uh, we daily eat arsenic in our life. I mean, we are arsenic eaters. <laughs> Maybe we do not love it. Maybe we should not eat it that much. We should reduce some um, uh, high concentrated the food uh, of uh, arsenic. But we we do uh, eat arsenic. So I think this yes. is also a key point. So maybe if you eat mushrooms or a lot of seafood, it may be as toxic as eating sargassum, where we don't know yet really how much arsenic is in the sargassum and if it varies between the locations and how much stuff it is, the toxic kinds and the non-toxic kinds. So we always talk about how toxic, like how you have to look out for the arsenic and sargassum, but we never talk about the rice and the mushrooms and the seafood and, and arsenic. Well, well, I eat a lot of rice and I didn't particularly care to hear that, but uh, hearing about the Ongos and the uh, seafood, mariscos. That was the most disappointing part of this talk. <laughs> and, uh, well, anyway, everybody, thank you for being here. You could have been anywhere else on the planet today, but you chose to be with us, and we appreciate you coming. We need to thank the uh, Southeastern Veterinarian people here for letting the folks are internet. And uh, we need to thank the uh, Kimberly Green. Uh, at, uh, Latin American and Caribbean Center at the uh, Florida International University to sponsor this podcast and, uh, and we'll see you here again next week and till then catch a wave <laughs> bye everyone bye Thank you for tuning in today and learning with us from our guests. 
If you want more information about our guests talk about today, then please check our show notes for links and information in our archives. And don't forget to like and share our podcast with your friends. If you enjoyed our podcast, please consider supporting us financially by becoming a Patreon. For as little as $1 per month, you can support us and get the exclusive benefit of being able to submit questions for our interviewees ahead of time. The Sargasm Podcast is produced by Marine Conservation Without Borders and is made possible with financial support from the Kimberly Green Latin American and Caribbean Center's U.S. Department of Education Title VI grant. It is produced by Marcel Van de Camp and our summer interns, Lauren Blakenship, Eloise Lopez, and Jenna Contusio, and hosted by Robbie Thigpen, Francisco Elmer, Mar Fernandez, Florence Menez, Cleo Maridakis, and Paula Diaz. We will be back next week with another exciting guest. The music of this podcast is from the song Dema Prey by Drizzle Road Rana, an artist from Roatan. Follow him on Spotify or YouTube for more music. But for now, here is the full song Dema Prey. Hey, brother, brother, know me. Understand, now for them no one to see we get nothing. That's why they must be at no waste front and star. Now for them no one to see we get nothing. That's why they must be. Now for them a free, they must free. They must free me in progress. Now for them a free, they must free me to reap success. Now for them a free. They my free, me no gain progress, not for them a free. They my free, me to reap success, so me tell them, yeah. What is this, my man, me no take that. Only if it come from Joe, I'll accept that. Not for them, I put the trust in and give me setback. Yo, select that, will and pull up that. Tell some wicked, I bad mind, me no fear them. Anytime them cheat and chat, me no hear them. Me dash a few hearts, so for the queer them. Me dash a few hearts, so tell them where them. Not for them, I'm free. They my free, me no gain progress. Not for them, I'm free. They my free, me to reap success. So me tell them, yeah. Yes, me know me have a lot of fake friends, but me never would have tapped me would have have fake family. So me tell them straight, me no trust them, me no trust you, and me no trust him. Big friend, my mind in the real life. Star, me no rate that. Star, me no rate that. Me real for me would have bust a million shot in a real life. Real, real, real Not for them a free. Them a free, me no gain progress. Not for them a free. My premium great success, not for them a free. My premium gain progress, not for them a free. My premium great success, so me tell ya. Life, but they might hate and grudge and creep on mine. They might move like Judas. They might move like Judas. Plus, everybody have a life to live. So, when they give one rat's clock, who I try to judge me, let them chip and chat to what them want to say. Cause none of them out there, not people. Now, for them, I'm free. They might bring me 
snuff for them a free Them a free me to rape success Now for them a free Them a free me no game progress Now for them a free 